0: listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, where we deliver weekly masterclass interviews on topics that help you make your first or next step in business the right one. I'm your host, Alex Sanfilippo. According to Harvard Business Review, studies have shown that between 60 and 70% of organizational change projects fail, and this statistic has held true for the last 50 years. In today's episode, I'm talking with Dr. Michael Kanick. He is the president of Making Strategy Happen and the author of the book, Ruthless Consistency. Michael says that this high rate of failure is not due to lack of strategic planning, but instead the lack of consistent strategic execution. In this episode, Michael is going to share high level points from his book, Ruthless Consistency, which contains his wisdom from 20 plus years of experience, including his time as a corporate leader for FedEx, which is a company that I personally love and worked closely with for more than 10 years. For links to resources that will be mentioned during this episode, please visit creatingabrand.com 082. And now let's not wait any longer. Here is my conversation with Dr. Michael Kanick. Michael, welcome to the Creating a Brand podcast. So excited to have you with us today.
1: Fantastic to be here, Alex. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I also appreciate you uh, talking to me about travel before we got into this conversation here. We've actually, for the audience's understanding, we've been talking for like 20 minutes about just your (laughs) your history with just traveling the world. I'm definitely gonna have links to some of your cool travel sites you've been to because you have a very diverse portfolio of where you've been that is kind of off the beaten path. So I appreciate you sharing that with me uh, before we start recording today.
1: Well, my pleasure. Don't get me started on travel again, because others are going to spend our whole podcast just talking about places to go see in the world.
0: (laughs) Uh, Creating a brand. We are now a travel podcast. Michael is the new co-host, and here we go. (laughs) Here we go. I love it. (laughs) No, actually, today we're going to talk about your book. It's called Ruthless Consistency. And it's one of those things that as soon as I saw the cover of the book and then the title, I instantly knew that I was going to love the book. Like I didn't even need to open it to know that I got to find this guy and I got to get him on the podcast. And sure enough, it definitely confirmed it as soon as I opened the book. You have some opening statements in there that just reinforced that, yes, this is what I want to actually be reading and looking at. Now, before we jump into anything, I want to really just kind of cover the title, as I'm sure everyone asks you about it. But the word ruthless kind of has a uh, kind of a bad connotation
1: in today's world, right? Can you explain why you're calling it ruthless consistency? Well, it's a great question. And people often ask, so what do you mean by ruthless? Well, if you just say consistency, people's responses, yeah, yeah, be consistent, right? And that's it. And what I mean by ruthless consistency is an unwavering commitment. So this isn't just about, yeah, yeah, do it. This is about an unwavering commitment where your decisions, your actions are just relentlessly aligned with your intentions, because the uh, you know the alignment of intentions, decisions, and actions—that's the foundation of success. So it was really to convey this unwavering commitment. If you want to get something done individually with your organization, you need to make sure everything you do is aligned with what you want to what, what you want to create.
0: Yeah, and you're talking about again just being consistent in general and ruthlessly consistent. It's something that many of us say sounds like common sense, right? Is to be consistent but it's definitely not common practice in today's world. Do you you have any insights as to why this would be? Why is it not just widely practiced? People seem to be very random out there and not being consistent with what they're doing anymore.
1: Well, the, the short answer is it's hard to do. It's easy to say be consistent and it's hard to do. But if you look at the people who are extremely successful, and whether that's in business or, or entertainment or sports or whatever, and you see how they're very focused on what they do. And sports is a great example because people can identify when you know somebody said, I, I trained this many hours, I put in this much practice, I overcame these injuries. And you see, boy, just the amount of dedication, you know, whenever the Olympics comes up and they do those profiles on the athletes in the Olympics, those stories really convey, oh, that's what true commitment looks like. Mm-hmm. So I think often we lose sight of those benchmarks, Alex, and we lose sight of what commitment really looks like if we truly want to achieve our goals, whatever field that's in. Yeah, I,
0: I couldn't agree more. You're exactly right. And this is something that I actually talk about a lot. And that's why going back to the, the title of the book, as soon as I saw it, I knew it was something I wanted to cover here because I just feel this topic is so important in today's world. And, and often it seems to be one of the few things that can separate somebody from being successful in what they are desiring to do versus not successful in it. And I know that you've seen that as well, right?
1: Absolutely. You know, we have intentions. Everybody's got good uh, plans, good intentions, but what do you do about it? You know, and strategic planning is a great example. Every company talks about, oh, we do strategic planning. Well, what about strategic executing? <laughs> you know, and then that's <laughs> when you get some shuffling of the feet, well, we're busy and this, that. Well, you know, that's a great example of inconsistency. Or, you know, when leaders talk about, you know, uh, excellence, but they tolerate poor performance, or they say we're going to, you know, we're going to fly to the moon, but they don't provide the resources to get there. Or they give people skills but not the authority to use them. So it's those mixed messages we unwittingly send. That's what demotivates people. That's what kills our credibility. That's what undermines our efforts.
0: Yeah, you're 100% right with that. And with that said, it's a perfect time to transition into going into some of the points from this book, you've it broken into five different parts. And there's no way we could get into all five of them, nor should we even try. So we're really going to focus on number one for a few minutes here. And then we're going to jump down to part five. Uh, So let's just go ahead and start with part one, which is the reality. Can you explain to me what
1: this what this part was about and why you decided to start here? I wanted to give people context because, again, people come in thinking, yeah, I'm consistent. What I'm doing is consistent. So I wanted to point out, you know, what's the reality? What does it really look like? So a few key things in the reality. Number one, what's more important than anything you do is everything you do what's more important than anything you do is everything you do is everything consistently aligned with your intended outcomes right or are you just dabbling and we tend to dabble in things we get distracted we're busy we've got too many things on our plate so what's more important than anything you do is everything you do and that's true with personal goals as well as you know uh, organizational goals professional goals number 2 and this is really critical for leaders what's more important than what you do is what they experience, what your employees experience, you know, what what the others experience who need to implement the change. Too often as leaders, as coaches, we think, well, I did what I needed to do and they didn't perform. Well, maybe you didn't do what you needed to do. Maybe you approached it from your egocentric perspective and not realizing that what you thought you were communicating wasn't getting through, you know, or what you said, you know, wasn't aligned in their ears. So we've got to make sure we approach it from the perspective of the people who have to execute the change. And if you're in a leadership role, that's somebody, you know, That those are your, your, your team members who are needing to execute. Number three, you're not as committed as you need to be yet. So coming to the recognition that we're not as committed to, as we need to be. And I give examples in sports and different fields of what true commitment looks like. Because at the end of it, I want people thinking, you know what? I thought I was committed but I haven't been as committed as I need to be. And I I can do better, I need to do better. So I want them coming to grips with here's what I haven't done, but need to do to be successful. That's, that's the foundation I want to set in the reality.
0: Yeah, I think this first part is so powerful. The reality, once again, those are the three principles you have within here. I'd like to kind of break into each of them just a little bit more, starting with uh, what matters more than anything you do is everything you do. Now, for many entrepreneurs that are just getting started, they feel like they have to do everything, right? And so yet they are doing all the things that they have to do. They're not necessarily subbing out this point, they're just kind of going every direction that they feel they need to go. And as something approaches, they just kind of go after it. What do you say to somebody getting started? And I know that you do have experience here, because you had years of experience in big corporate with FedEx, you eventually broke off and started doing your own consulting and coaching and speaking. So you've had this firsthand, how have you been able to actually overcome uh, this, this mindset of, of
1: everything versus anything? (laughs) And that's very common entrepreneurs. You know, we become the victims of our ambition. Mm. Everything looks the opportunities, the possibilities. Oh, I can do this. I should do that. Right. And we've got this energy, this excitement. And it's a trap, Alex, because we get drawn into either doing things that we shouldn't be doing, that we should delegate to others or we get diff- our focus gets diffused across too many things. We, we inch along at many things. We don't really make uh, inroads at any one in particular. Let me give you a quick example. So one of the things I realized early on was that I don't like, I'm not good at, I don't wanna spend my time dealing with the admins part of my business, right? I know a lot of consultants who do all the admin stuff along with the consulting. So I said, no, I'm going to pay somebody to do this And not only that, I'm going to pay well to get somebody who's very good. And so I have to tell you, since then, I have a business manager. I have a uh, a marketing, um, uh, social marketing manager. I've got a director of digital marketing, right? And these are contract people. But I've got the three of them for one of me. Why? So I can focus on what I need to do to be successful. And part of what I need to do is hire good people to take care of the things that I shouldn't be doing. So that's an example. Taking on too much can be a trap. Part of uh, the solution is being able to delegate, so we can focus on what's truly important. And how did you determine what was
0: you're going to be your focus? Like, how did you determine? Okay, I, I should have somebody to delegate this to versus that. What made
1: you decide on the things that you decided on? Right. Well, first of all, what am I being very honest? What am I not great at? Not hmm. just about what am I not good at, but great at. And the challenge here and the challenge for anybody who's making that move, understand your greatness and understand what is not your greatness. And if you can find people who are great doing the things that you're not great at, but that you need, to compliment you now you're building a winning team and i'll tell you my business manager she is awesome she is just fantastic she's diligent she's organized she's on top of things my director of uh, of digital marketing she's awesome as well my uh, social ma- uh, social media manager she's awesome as well so i have to tell you you know when you hire good people people who are truly great to compliment your greatness now you're able to accomplish great things. So start with a true assessment. Where are you great and where are you not great? That's uh, that's worth our time right there. We could wrap up right here with just that principle you just <laughs> shared. That's so
0: powerful. <laughs> So that's in the reality, that's the first uh, principle. And you kind of are now kind of hinting at the second principle here, which is what you do is not as important as what people experience. Yes. So you have people working for you. At some point, all of us are going to have contracted work at the very least, if not a staff and employees and things like that. Can you kind of explain how how you making this decision to delegate things really
1: played into the second principle? Right. Well, this is where my coaching background, I think, really benefited me. And I used to coach, uh, you know, college football, as you know, Alex. And one of the things you realize as a coach is that different players require different approaches. Well, it's the same thing when you're working with a team of people in business, whether it's contract people or employees. Different people require different approaches. So, for example, you might just require that I say, you know, I point you in the right direction. Here's where we need to go. And you say, you know, Michael, get out of the way. I'll do it. Okay? Somebody else, though, they might need more hand-holding. They might need reinforcing at every step. Am I doing this okay? Could you check on this? Is this all right? Right? different people require different approaches. And so when I say, you know, what you do is not as important as what they experience, we have to see things through the eyes of the people that we need to bring on board, whether that's our team, our employees, our, you know, whoever, we need to see things through their eyes and, and recognize they're, you know, you hire employees, but human beings show up to work. Right. You know, with their doubts, their fears, their hopes, their securities, their insecurities. You know, and I'll admit to you, it took me a long time to learn that. You know, I was I was a pretty task oriented. You know, cut and dried. Hey, here's the expectation. Go do it. Yeah, it's all clear, right? Well, you know, that's not how everybody performs at their best. And your role is to help your people perform at the best. So that's understanding where are they at as a person. And I'll tell you, in COVID times now, Alex. This is especially important because of the anxiety, the uncertainty. You've got like single moms at home with kids and they're worrying about working, about parenting, about homeschooling. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. And if you're not attuned to that, you could be demotivating your team. Yeah, that's so true. And t- today's world is all—it's just me changing more and more.
0: I mean, yeah, we're in a, a season of, of COVID as we'll call it right now, but as it changes, this is just gonna continue to evolve. So I think it is so important, like you're saying that we be willing to to put ourselves in someone else's shoes. Uh, I, yeah. I'm, you and I are fairly similar. I mean, I'm real like, here's the task, go do it because that's the way that I handle it. I don't, I don't want you to, to micromanage or tell me anything else. I'll go figure it out. But like you're right. saying, not everyone's like that. And it's up to us to be able to set that proper tone that's really gonna speak to that individual where they're at where the world's at right because it's going to continuously change so i think that's such an important point you have there we'll get right back to today's episode but first can you do two things for me First, if you're enjoying this episode, please share it on your social media or share it directly with somebody that you know that would also benefit from listening. Secondly, please visit creatingabrand.com free to join the Creating a Brand inner circle. This is where I share exclusive content, including online courses, how-to videos, and other resources focused on helping entrepreneurs go further, faster. By doing these two things, you are helping me reach and serve more people. So thank you in advance for your support. And now let's get back to today's episode. And moving on to the, the third principle in this, in this part of the, the book, you're not as committed as you need to be
1: yet. Can you talk about this a little bit more for us? Sure. And, you know, everyone who's running a business or managing a people or anything like that will say they're committed. And even people, you know, will say in their jobs, are you committed? Yeah, I'm committed. So you can't just talk about why they're not committed. Again, you have to set those benchmarks and say, yeah, for people who truly excel, Here's what it looks like. You know, here's what success looks like. And when you see successes, and you pull back the curtain to success, you'll see all that effort, all that discipline, all that you know, energy that went into making it happen. You know, Malcolm Gladwell one time talked years ago about the you know the ten thousand hours to be successful. He took it from uh, uh, you know uh, actually a, a performance psychologist named Erickson who did research. And while you know, he, he didn't get it quite right, the idea is you need to put in a lot of deliberate practice to become really, really good at something. So part of the challenge for whether it's leaders, entrepreneurs who are going to start their own thing is recognizing, you know, this is not just, yeah, I'm going to go do this and see how it works. It's understanding there's a deep level of commitment of time, energy and effort Here's the most common thing I find many entrepreneurs wrestle with. And it's something I learned when I decided to get into the consulting world. I asked a a, a seasoned, respected, grizzled consultant about, you know, the consulting world. What is this going to be like? You know, I want to be a consultant. He said, Mike, here's what you need to know about starting your own business. There's doing the business and there's getting the business. And if you don't get the business, you can't do the business. So you better figure out how you're going to get the business because you're not going to be able to do any business unless you do that. Hmm. I'll get enamored with the idea of doing the business. I love the consulting. I love the podcasting. I love the product. I love this and that. Well, that's all great, but how are you going to get the business? So you know, it's an example of you know how we need to realize there has to be just as much commitment to getting the business as there is to doing the business.
0: People hear this word being committed and that idea. And we live in a world full of, uh, for lack of a better term, I'm trying to sound professional here, but FOMO is what people think about. So they don't want to commit to things, including possibly the practice of, of earning those clients and things like that. They want to do the fun side of things and not necessarily focus on that and just maybe pray that it shows up or something like that, right? Uh, do you find that a lot of people that, that have this idea of, oh, I think I want to be an entrepreneur. Do you think that a lot of them are really as committed as they, their maybe speech is,
1: is making it sound like they are? What, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. What what I see is, and this is, isn't a surprise, but many people want to dabble in things. Oh, I think I'll try that. Or I think I'll try that. And to be fair, before you make a full commitment, you do want to know, is this for me or not? So there is a test period with anything. I understand that. But even once people get into it, I find, you know, we're still dabbling. Why? Well, number one, it's very easy to be distracted. We live in an age of a lot of distractions. But what I like to say to people is it's not so much the distractions, it's how distractible are you? So focus more on how distractible are you as opposed to the distractions. How are you managing those inevitable distractions? What are the practices you're putting in place? What are the self-management methods you're putting in place? Are you carving out a time, a fixed time when you're going to look at social media, but you're not going to look at it outside of that? Are you carving out a time where you can't be interrupted? Are you carving out a time where you have a morning routine where you do certain fixed things before you get distracted with anything else? So a big part of success, Alex, is self-management, developing the patterns, the patterns where we manage our distractions, manage our focus, manage our time. And you talk to anyone who's successful and, you know, and you see the stats on this. And, um, um, you know, I think it was the, uh, who wrote the four-hour Work Um, Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss, yeah. Right. And he talks about, you know, success and he interviews lots of people on on success, you know, on his uh, work following the four hour work week. And what he found was many of them, many, many of them had fixed routines, morning routines, evening routines of self-management of success patterns so they could avoid distraction.
0: Yeah, it's, it's 100% right. You know, I talked to somebody named Nir Eyal, and he has a book titled Indistractable. He was on the podcast uh, just before summer uh, of mm. 2020. And it, really a fascinating book. And it made me realize a lot of things that I wasn't as committed to some things as I claimed I was, I was more just dabbling and then playing around with the things that didn't matter. And part of being committed, which I think we're about to get into in this, this part five of your book is, is really, again, maybe testing the waters a little bit, but then saying, okay, this is where I want to be. I'm going to jump into that. And I think this is a great segue to go into part five, which is the right commitment. I want to talk about how, you know, when it's time and how to start setting these, these disciplines for yourself, if you will, where you're not allowing yourself to get
1: distracted by just whatever else comes your way. Right. So there's a, for where I'd start with is having our, you know, your listeners realize there's a real power in being able to say no, say no. In the strategy world, we talk about strategy is just as much about what you choose not to do as it is what you do. Tim Cook at Apple said, you know, we turn down and we don't do many, many good things. There are many good products we don't pursue. Why? So we can put disproportionate effort against the things we want to pursue. Uh, I'll give you a quick story here. Warren Buffett, okay, you know, great, everybody knows about him as the great investor, the guru investor. One time his private pilot came to him about career advice. And so Buffett said, Well, write down your career goals, your top 20 career goals. So the guy writes them down. Buffett goes, Well, circle the top five, circle the top five. And then Buffett said, Here's the key to success all the things you didn't circle become the avoid at all cost list. You don't touch those. You don't look at those. You don't do anything with those until you get the ones that you focused on as the top priorities done. Because the enemy Alex isn't the it's not the non-priorities that are the enemy. It's the almost top priorities. The almost top priorities that, you know, wedge their way in, that kind of, you know, grab our focus and, you know, diffuse our our focus. Those are the ones we have to fear. So, if number 1, be willing to say no. Let me give you another example. So in writing the book, Writing Ruthless Consistency, and this is something that's been on my mind for years, you know, big undertaking, and I'd been inching along at it. I came to the decision about three years ago that, you know what, I'm not getting it done. How committed am I to this book? So then I said, what do I have to stop doing to allow myself to really focus on it? One of the things I stopped doing is something I don't like to stop doing, is something I love doing. And that's working out and hiking and mountain activities. And you know, that you was stop those I, things you're saying? Those are things you had to you had to put aside? I had to put aside, you know. Wow. And it kills me even to say that and to admit that, thinking, you know, geez, you know, isn't there some way I could have rationalized around that? But <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I love fitness. I love exercise. I love mountains and hiking and snowshoeing. But I made a conscious decision that basically, you know what, for two years, I am not going to do this until I get the book done. And it's it's being, you know, published and promoted. And I feel I've done everything in my power to get this really good book out there. So, you know, that was being able to say no to something that I love.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and I can tell you, I am really eager to say yes to those two things in the new year. <laughs> right. I'm about to say that. So you're, you're done.
0: Uh, you know, this is like a side note from our conversation here, but are you going to get back into those things now? Like, how you feeling? Yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, wow. yeah, I think totally. it's really
0: cool that you you went ahead and made that commitment. That sounds huge. You know, everyone kind of talks about this idea of commitment, but I love that you actually just gave us one that is, is real. I mean, that is tangible. And to me, somebody who, uh, you know, something I gave up when I started this podcast, and when I decided to get out of the corporate world is I gave up soccer this year. Wow. I haven't played soccer and I love right. playing soccer. I've been a captain of a team in different leagues and it's something that I'm just passionate about. But this year I said, I have to stop. And I haven't really seen other people willing to give up something that, that they're really passionate about and love. But you just shared something, a real example that for two years you said no to, so you could produce what this book is, which I believe is, is truly a masterpiece. You've done a, such a good job with it and it's going to add a lot
1: of value and impact the world. But you really, you got really committed to the right thing. Thank you. You know, and it's not easy. And I'm sure you found with soccer too, it's uncomfortable and it's painful. Like, oh, yes. I don't want to give this up. Right. So here's the thing you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm. You have to become comfortable being uncomfortable. Embrace the discomfort, right? And let me give you another example as a mountain climber. I remember the first time I climbed you know, a big mountain in the Andes, right? And on summit day, and summit day is the day you you, you know go after the summit, right. you know, waking up at 2 a.m., because you got to start early before the sun is beating on the ice and maybe increasing avalanche danger. We're up at 2 a.m. It's really cold. We're really stiff. Um, We're at altitude. So you're gasping for air. And I'm thinking, you know, geez, you know, do I really, is this really what I want to do? This isn't fun. (laughs) But you know what? Then we, we get started at it, kept at it, eventually reached the summit. And then I realized coming down, you know what? This is how it's supposed to feel. If you're going to summit big mountains, this is how it's supposed to feel. It's supposed to feel uncomfortable and painful. And you're supposed to feel fatigued and your legs are burning and you're gasping for oxygen. That's how it's supposed to feel. Well, the point is, if you're an entrepreneur, right, there's going to be financial pressure. There's going to be market pressure. There's going to be personal doubt. There's going to be all that. And you know what? It's okay. That's how it's supposed to feel. It's how you manage those feelings. It's how you manage the discomfort, how you manage the pressure. That's what determines your success.
0: You know, the, the title of the book, after you just said that, makes so much more sense. <laughs> Ruthless Consistency, after you just shared that, it really, it's like, wow, that truly is what it takes to really succeed. And you're the only person I've ever heard use this Jim Collins book that I'm about to share uh, in, a, in a book. I, I've, I've heard him say it at, on a stage one time, but never everyone else. But you wrote that the signature for mediocrity is chronic inconsistency. And again, I never heard anyone else share that. But I think that that's really what we're up against, right? We are up against being mediocre versus doing something great for
1: ourselves, for our families and for our future. Right, exactly. And Collins did. Yeah, he did write that the signature of mediocrity is this chronic inconsistency. Alex, the crawler is though the signature of success is ruthless consistency
0: you're 100% right with that. I mean, I, I, again, this is something that I'm so passionate about. And I, I love that we've been able to really cover all this. I think it's just such a powerful conversation that more people need be having. So Michael, I really appreciate you sharing all that. And I want to ask before we before we end this episode, do you have any other advice or any final words of wisdom on the topic of consistency for the listeners today?
1: Sure. And that, you know, and that is, as you take the step and get into, say, the entrepreneurial world, or you take on a new role or a new job or anything like that, you know, the first thing thing think is, is, what are some of the challenges I've got to face? And sometimes those can appear daunting. But the message I want to pass on to your listeners is this, at the end of the day, it's not you versus the challenges. It's not you versus the competition. It's not you versus the obstacles. It's you versus you. It's you versus you. And if you do what you need to do and what you can do with consistency, with that focus, with that alignment, with that unwavering commitment, then you can be successful. It's up to you. Love it. Michael, I got to say this. You are one of the easiest interviews I've ever had. Like You
0: are a pro at this. <laughs> this was, <laughs> you made my job really simple today. And I think that this is just such a powerful topic, again, for the, the listeners uh, to hear. So creating a brand, I hope that you're really taking notes on this. And Michael, I thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you sharing with us today.
1: Hey, it's been great being with you. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Alex.
0: Consistency is one of the topics that I have studied the most during my time as an entrepreneur. And I can say with confidence that Michael is one of the great thought leaders in this space. I certainly hope that you learned as much as I did from this conversation. And I want to encourage you to challenge yourself to become more consistent in what you do so you can drive your business forward, as I know it will lead to more success. Michael, thank you again for being a guest and teaching us the power of being consistent. To pick up a copy of Dr. Michael Kanick's book, Ruthless Consistency, and to see pictures from his worldwide traveling adventures, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 082. Thank you as always for listening, and I'm looking forward to bring you another Masterclass episode next week.